This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Outer Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Blue Convictions, market analysis and asset allocation views. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to the fifth edition of our Blue Convictions broadcast about Amundi's market analysis and the impacts of the COVID-19 crisis. I am Dominique Carrel-Billard, head of the Institutional and Corporate Clients Division, and I will be your host for today. Joining me are Monica Defend, Global Head of Research, and Ken Taubes, the CIO of our U.S. investment expertise because today we said we would focus on the U.S. But before we do that, let's start by an update on our analysis of the crisis, sanitary, economic, financial. Hello, Monica. What is your most recent perspective on the events that are unfolding in the world? And have you changed your economic and financial scenario since our last conversation? Hello, Dominique. Hello to uh, everyone. So uh, all the narrative we have been adopting in, uh, during this crisis has been predicated on the longevity of the virus and the uh, recovery in the uh, economic uh, activity after the outbreak. Uh, over time, we have been uh, adding two uh, new features, uh, some colors, uh, let's, uh, let's put it this way. The first one refers uh, to the longevity. The, uh, the crisis is said to be temporary that uh, is expected to be more prolonged than uh, how we uh, initially envisaged. And the second is that uh, the outbreak outlines a sequel uh, in, uh, in its manifestation. This has uh, some economic uh, sound as well as some investment sound. So uh, economically, uh, we see distinctive uh, three blocks, Ch- China and Asia, Asia, uh, the first to be hit, followed by Europe and the U.S., and last, uh, the uh, developing market. This is also uh, an investment uh, um, investment sound, just because uh, if we see a sequel in the entrance in the crisis, there will be a sequel in exiting in the way out of the of the crisis, and this will uh, likely open up some uh, investment opportunity. Uh, it's a temporary, and China is proving that uh, uh, it, it can be uh, managed in, in this way. Today, all uh, in, in the economy, 70% of its capacity has been uh, recovered. Uh, there is a mixed picture elsewhere, but the fact that there is uh, in the developed market uh, in particular, um, there is enough testing and there will be enough testing by, by May. This will allow to know the extent of the disease and to plan where and when to restart uh, the activity. Because uh, beside the testing, uh, the other big measures that uh, have been put in place are the national uh, lockdowns. So uh, we do believe that in May, we will likely see the turning point, uh, at least for uh, the developed develop, uh, economies. And this will allow to uh, reposition uh, on the on the market. Uh, definitely, the newer start will be uh, different. We do believe, as we mentioned, that stronger structural changes uh, will affect habits, uh, so that, uh, for example, transportation and leisure uh, will be deeply affected. Uh, in particular, in the uh, absence uh, of a of a vaccine. So we want to get back 
to GDP levels that uh, we have been seeing uh, at the end of uh, 2019 before uh, mid uh, beginning of mid 2021, 20, and this uh, underlines the asymmetry in the in the recovery uh, as well. One last uh, alert uh, is on the emerging market. Uh, where the response on the healthcare uh, side uh, will be uh, limited because uh, most of these countries uh, do not have uh, infrastructure, do not have a fiscal uh, space so that uh, the uh, IMF, uh, for example, is planning some uh, targeted uh, help. And also uh, the social distancing, which is uh, another micro measure that has been uh, put in place, uh, it is unlikely uh, to be uh, to be. Um, uh, to be active uh, in in this region. So, um, sequel uh, of uh, outbreak, sequel of bounce back, asymmetry in the um, in the in the bounce back, delivered with uh, global growth perspective in the in the zero uh, area for uh, 2021. But again, as we often said, at this stage, um, the uh, level of accuracy. Uh, on which uh, the uh, forecasts are predicated uh, is uh, extremely low and very fluid and very subjective. Uh, the lockdowns uh, are going to be a critical factor and, as said, may uh, might be uh, a turning point uh, at this stage. So this is something new uh, in, uh, in our radar. Thank you, Monica. So slightly longer or more prolonged than expected with a slower recovery. And the U.S., as you highlighted, is in your block number two. It's probably now at the epicenter of the storm in terms of um, sanitary condition. And the future economic scenario will certainly be heavily influenced by uh, how the crisis evolves in the U.S. Can you tell us what is your assessment of the current macroeconomic environment in the U.S. and what we can expect, especially on the unemployment front? Yeah, since the beginning, uh, we uh, believe that the uh, U.S. would have been uh, the game changer because of the relevance uh, of this uh, economy uh, globally. Uh, recently, the epicenter seems to be uh, to be moving out of uh, Europe into the U.S. The Trump administration sticks uh, to uh, scientific modeling uh, data uh, on the pandemic that target uh, uh, 100,000 up to 240,000 deaths, so major, major numbers. And on the back of this uh, data, Trump decided to lock down until end of April the activity at minimum. So uh, there has not been a national lockdown. So he left it to the state initiatives, but as of today, uh, 90% of the population is under lockdown. And as said, this has proved to be the most uh, effective uh, economic measure. Um, at the beginning, uh, they've been missing the opportunity of this uh, containment. If uh, we, we look uh, at what has been happening in, uh, in New York, while Washington, uh, for example, thanks to a study uh, developed by Seattle University, uh, has been uh, prompting uh, some faster um, lockdowns and, and was able to contain uh, the, the, the contagion somewhat. So the kind of uh, assumption we are working with is for lockdowns to be confined to Q2. So three, uh, three months, two, three months, uh, con lockdowns with major, um, effect on the entertainment, manufacturing, retail and transport sectors. 
So uh, this leaves us uh, with a minus three, uh, minus uh, three point seven uh, GDP uh, GDP uh, loss uh, loss for the year. This turns into the uh, unemployment. We've been uh, recently seeing a very uh, very bad number uh, in in line with the uh, the kind of shock uh, the uh, the economy is uh, is running into, and. Obviously, it is related that the unemployment rate would be related uh, to the level of the virus contamination and the month of lockdown uh, to the to the economy. Uh, we saw the payrolls uh, dropping, but they could drop further, down 20 million to uh, 30, uh, 35 million. It really uh, depends on how the, the sectors will be hit. We think that the small business will be the biggest uh, loser, uh, losers, leisure's uh, related employment is plunging 80% uh, up an 80% uh, rate. Retail is uh, is contracting on a similar pace. And you, if you um, add on uh, retail and leisure, so this is uh, uh, almost 21% of the total uh, uh, labor market. So this might imply a further down uh, 22 uh, million payrolls. And if uh, uh, we take into account uh, the rest of the labor, uh, labor market uh, down uh, 10, 10%. These end up with our uh, average for the year around uh, 9%. So this is what uh, what we do have uh, on our cards for the time being. To see a reversal in the uh, in the labor market, uh, we think we need to see an improvement on on the profit side. And this is uh, likely to uh, take place in uh, in 2021. So we have a minus uh, 15, minus 20 on the EPS front uh, to bounce back uh, in uh, in uh, in 2021 uh, on a similar amount. Okay, Monica. So it's a fairly grim picture. What do you think is going to be the effect of the measures currently being implemented by the federal government and the support actions taken by the Fed? Well, starting from uh, the, the fiscal package, uh, I would uh, target two, uh, two goals. Um, first of all, uh, they've been uh, trying to keep uh, as a whole uh, the household and the, and the, and the, and the business, so um, really preventing destruction of livelihoods and uh, firm, firm uh, um, closure. Um, the household income needs to be uh, preserved, and this is where I, I see the uh, unemployment insurance uh, program that has been uh, implemented uh, to go, and the heavy use of this uh, facility um, will uh, really prove how successful uh, the, uh, the government uh, will be. The second uh, target of the fiscal measures uh, is to uh, pay uh, the, the pandemic response, so to put the economy in the position to to, to bounce back. Uh, the money uh, that has been put on the table uh, is pretty huge. Um, it's uh, almost nine ten percent of U.S. Uh, GDP. Uh, we previously mentioned all uh, all the measures uh, during the last week's call. Just a quick uh, update uh, on the small business um, uh, plan uh, that uh, that has been um, implemented that came into life. We said that the small business is the most uh, hated uh, in in uh, in this crisis, and to serve uh, to serve them 
then the government uh, has put uh, in place 377 billion to support the company with less than 500 employees. So uh, they seem to to, uh, to be uh, dealing uh, with uh, with that. The issue goes for those companies with higher uh, employees, but uh, that are not investment grade, so they cannot uh, take the opportunity of the lending facilities that the Fed. Uh, is, uh, has been uh, has been opening, so they are not eligible. This uh, um, leave us with the conclusion that uh, uh, at the end we will see a much more uh, fragmented uh, corporate sector. When it turns to the monetary efforts that have been uh, um, put in place, uh, um, the, the the Fed had uh, different targets. First of all. Uh, to anchor uh, the uh, the liquidity uh, liquidity issues and the credit market dysfunctioning, and uh, they did uh, they addressed this issue um, with the uh, liquidity massive liquidity injection and QE uh, infinity. Uh, the Fed balance sheet uh, increased to uh, 5.8 trillion more uh, than 1 trillion uh, with these uh, recent uh, recent uh, uh, measures. And then uh, they've been addressing the U.S. funding need through uh, the opening of multiple uh, swap lines. And again, uh, they temper uh, down um, the, um, the, the situation there. What is next? Uh, for the time being, we've seen uh, the Fed concentrating the purchase to the short-end uh, maturity. We think that they might uh, increase the, uh, the the maturities on the on the purchase side as long as they realize that uh, the liquidity issue uh, has been uh, has been addressed. We at that uh, time will be targeting more um, the financial uh, conditions, so uh, maintaining or turning back to easy uh, financial conditions. So as I always respect the curve uh, to flatten and the 10 years to stay uh, in the in the current in the current age, and eventually the measure proved to be uh, supportive for the uh, high quality uh, corporate bonds. Thank you, Monica. You, you gave us your views from a macroeconomic perspective, a bit top down. Let's switch gear a little bit and turn to Ken. So Ken, welcome again. You've been dealing in the US markets for over 40 years now, and you read them as early warning uh, signs of things to come. So what are the markets telling you in the US? Do they concur with Monica's views? Well, of course, the market is uh, expecting a, a very difficult period as evidenced by the uh, sharp declines we've seen in equities and credit markets. In fact, uh, the downturn in the equity market has been the, uh, the swiftest or the fastest we've seen ever, um, even compared to the Great Depression in the 1920s and 30s. The decline was sharper more quickly here. So the market is definitely telling us it's going to be a, a problem and we're already in a deep recession as um, Monica explained. But I, I think there are some um, things to think about. One, uh, while a human toll may be um, and will be more difficult and tragic than it was in 08 and 09 in, in the number of deaths and people ill, the markets are telling us, I think so far, that the financial aspects of the downturn are not as severe. And I see that in both equity markets and in um, credit markets, because today, uh, neither the equity market nor the uh, credit market, and, and I'm talking about corporate credit, other credit-sensitive securities outside of uh, treasury bonds, 
uh, are not at levels that we saw in 08 and 09. There was a brief period uh, three or four weeks ago when some parts of the market did briefly touch levels um, that we saw in 08 and 09, particularly in long-duration corporates, but have sharply bounced back since then. And given all the uh, grim news, and, and I think Monica highlighted it very clearly, why, why is the market telling us that the financial part of this is not going to be as severe? I think there's a few things going on here, one of which Monica's already touched on, and that's the fiscal and monetary stimulus. And while I'm not going to go into those details, as Monica did, I will point out that both the fiscal stimulus in the United States and the monetary stimulus far exceeds what we saw in 08 and 09. Uh, the Fed has, for example, uh, gone to unlimited quantitative easing, has rolled out some programs that exceed what was done in 08 9. For example, purchasing directly funding corporate uh, bonds, including short duration uh, ETFs, which was never done before. Um, furthermore, the financing through SPVs of business loans is, is also uh, new and different. Furthermore, um, the GDP impact of the fiscal stimulus, depending on how you measure it, could be almost 11, 12% of GDP. And this was all done in the span of a month. And this is far faster than it was um, in um, 08 and 09, where it took many quarters to get a fiscal package out. And it was roughly half of what we're seeing today. So the scope and the uh, swiftness of the uh, fiscal and monetary policy shifts are quite material and I think helping and will help in many respects to cushion the downside. Um, also, the economy came into this uh, period much stronger than it did in 06 and 07. Individuals particularly were far less levered. They had positive savings rates of almost 8 9%. 07, it was negative, the savings rate. Leverage is far lower. Uh, excepting in certain parts of the corporate market, but certainly in the consumer part of the market, that's true. So I think that um, we're going to see a severe downturn. The question will be how long does it last and how long does it take to rebound? And as Monica said, it's going to take somewhat longer than we thought, but it's not going to be a two or three or four year process of getting back. Some sectors will. After 9-11, for example, the airlines took almost three years to get back to normal. And I wouldn't um, hesitate to think that's going to happen again. But um, I, I will point out is that um, there are some things that are clearly um, better. And uh, and I think that uh, will uh, prove to help us. Um, I think there yeah. are also um, a number of other um things that are important here, and that is uh, when we look at some of the leading indicators of the markets, and perhaps uh, we can talk a little bit about that. Of course, I can, uh, because w one thing that's interesting in your analysis is that the markets are not as pessimistic or as dire as they were in 2008, but uh, do the equity market or the fixed income markets offer the same opportunities? How do the valuation levels compare across both markets, and how do you al allocate to each of them? Yeah, uh, and, and I'll just um, finish by saying on the last point that, you know, this crisis is not centered in the financial system. The financial system is affected by what's going on, but it's not the core rock. And uh, it, there's still an ability for the plumbing to work. And in fact, there's been uh, record 
corporate issuance in the last few weeks in, in investment grade as companies, high quality U.S. companies come to market. And even in the last week, we've seen uh, high yield companies, including uh, surprisingly Carnival Cruises, a, a shipping uh, company, which you would never expect, got six and a half billion dollars raised. And when you look at the valuations, uh, which is another indication of where the market's not anticipating a deep of, um, of decline. Uh, for example, high yield spreads today are well over 900 basis points over treasuries, but at the peak in the last crisis, uh, they were closer to 2000. And the same thing on investment grade corporates. They're over 300 basis points over treasuries today, but in the peak of the last crisis, they were 600 over. These are still very interesting levels. Um, and uh, historically have proven to be very opportunistic times to enter the market. Uh, but I think supportive of the view that we're not in a um, in the long lasting deep financial crisis that we were if uh, it proves to be uh, a four or five or six month uh, process of getting back to most of the GDP we lost. Um, if we look at some of the um, equity markets, um, if you look at the valuations, I would say it's, it's very hard to pinpoint exactly where we are because, uh, as Monica said, we have a certain expectation of earning decline. And depending on what that is, uh, we'll tell you what the valuations are. But based on uh, Monica's comments and where we were in 08 and 09, it looks like um, the equity premium is something like four to 500 basis points over the government bonds, which is historically very, very cheap. And during the crisis in 08 and 09, earnings dropped 28%. And um, if you look at that sort of decline again with a 5% equity premium, that takes you to about 2,000, 2,100 on the S&P uh, 500. I, I suspect that's the bottom. And, and we got very close to that. And uh, if Monica's forecast comes true, I don't think we will revisit that level again for long um, as I think that that is a, a kind of a line in the sand given what we think right now. And uh, therefore, if I were thinking about asset allocation, equities clearly look like a, a, a place to uh, potentially move some money over the coming months. So, so you're actually painting a, a rather almost supportive or constructive uh, picture, uh, Ken. And in, in, in the equity market, if you think that equities offer uh, potential entry points, you know, what would be uh, actually the, the sectors or the themes that you would be uh, looking for in the current environment? Well, I think that um, people are often uh, tempted to bottom fish in some of the really beaten down, um, hard hit sectors, thinking they'll bounce back the most. But uh, I suspect things like cruise lines, airlines, some of these things will not be long lived proven winners. And uh, I think you have to look at sectors that have uh, continued to uh, either flourish or, or at least do fairly well in this environment, including some of the strong uh, growth companies in, in the U.S. that continue to uh, not be so dominated by bricks and mortar, or even some of the very high quality industrials as the country gets back to business. Um, even though they're cyclicals in some respects, they have generally uh, strong balance sheets. So uh, some of the sectors that are still struggling, uh, retailers and, and some of the transports, I think will continue to struggle uh, longer term given uh, the upheaval we're seeing in the economy. So I think that that um, 
would, would direct me towards some of these other uh, sectors. Uh, a good solid core equity strategy that has you know good dividend income would also, I think, be a good place uh, to be over time. Now, let's not overlook um, some opportunities in, in fixed income as well, because um, you know this reminds me a little bit of coming out of the 08, 09, where just doing something made you money. And uh, I, I think equities and uh, look very opportunistic, but certain parts of the credit market also look interesting here and already discount a fair amount of bad news. And, and that's kind of the difference of where I, I think we are. I mean, we know that there's bad news coming and the market has so far handled the very large shift upwards in unemployment claims in the U.S. So the market has discounted a lot of that bad news. And I think that's one of the indicators of whether the market is stabilized, is whether it handles bad news or continues to go down. And over the last few days or week or so, we've begun to absorb bad news and, and, and look past the valley, if you will, and, and, and to the other side. Have the markets uh, really moved that way? Uh, can can you comment a little bit more on the credit spreads and and how the the corporate credit market is behaving in the the current uh, time? Absolutely, thank you. So on on the credit space, uh, just using a couple of sectors as um, indicators, the high yield market in the U.S. is roughly 900 basis points over Treasuries with an 84 dollar price, so a 16 point um, dropping um, from par. And um, just to give you some perspective on that, um, uh, high-yield bonds are down really 16% in price this year. Um, and compared to comparable treasuries, they've under, underperformed by 21%. And IG, which is even somewhat more surprising, down 4% on IG. Uh, of course, there's a you know pretty large cohort of triple Bs in that index. But uh, if you look at that compared to a comparable treasury, IG corporates have underperformed by 17%. So these are very large numbers. And if you go through ASIFAX or CMBS, you get equally large uh, numbers. So there are clearly um, interesting yields available. And uh, if you look at the high yield market, over a 9% yield, almost a 4% yield in the IG market. Um, and therefore, you know, quite a bit of um, extra yield compared to um, treasuries and, and potentially some um, good good return potential. But, you know, what's discounted in the market? That's the question. And, and, and even there, I think you're beginning to see some um, some opportunity because when you look at the 900 plus basis points over uh, treasuries and high yield, you know, what is that implying in terms of default rates? And um, if, if you play around with the numbers a little bit, you can see, for example, if you had a historically relevant 200 basis points of real um, real return above uh, the risk-free rate and a 40% recovery, that would imply um, a 14% default rate already priced into the high yield market. If you wanted to uh, jack it up, you know, 300% real rate with only a 35 recovery rate would give you about 11% implied default rate. Which, by the way, I think we peaked in these the deep crisis, these 08, 09, 15, 16, at just over 10% briefly. So the market is already pricing in um, a recession, essentially. And um, I think that gives you some comfort over the long term for people that have a long term horizon. 
Also, people know very well about the energy sector, but here again, the, the you know the horses are out of the barn, as you like to say, uh, because you know energy subcomponent of the high yield market is two thousand basis points over Treasuries with a fifty five dollar price already. So a five hundred percent real rate with a twenty percent recovery it already implies a twenty three percent default rate, and uh, therefore a lot of bad news is already priced in. So I, I think there are opportunities across the board for investors that are willing to take a somewhat longer term horizon viewpoint rather than day to day volatility or month to month, uh, because we already are pricing in a recession, not as deep as 08 and 09, but nonetheless, uh, a pretty good recession. But Ken, as I listen to you and all along we've been saying too, too late to sell and too early to buy, are you giving us a buy signal in your comments? Well, look, I, I don't think anybody has the perfect crystal ball or what the bottom may be or when the day is or the month. No one rings the bell, of course. But I think, the, you know, it, it may seem, sound quaint, but the longstanding practice of uh, averaging in a little at a time over over many weeks or months is, is, is a very good practice. And uh, if you can frame the downside in the context of past experience where we are, what you see in front of you, I, I think you can get some comfort that over the longer term that these markets may reflect some value. Challenging times for investors. Thank you, Ken. It's uh, very interesting. But 2020 is also an election year. And um, we know the U.S. elections are often uh, won or lost because of the economy. So without attempting to give a forecast, Monica, what would be your view for the elections this year and how could they affect the economy or the markets? Well, the, the, the country is facing uh, and is trying to manage this uh, national uh, emergency. So as a matter of fact, there is uh, no campaign. Uh, at the moment, uh, the coronavirus uh, has been having a new twist uh, in, the, in, the election, uh, in the election cycle. Uh, what uh, we uh, have been knowledge is that uh, uh, primaries have been uh, postponed uh, for, uh, have been postponed out of uh, health concern. And down in uh, in June, and uh, the uh, it looks like election will uh, will take uh, will take place. We know with the concern of how uh, the electors will will uh, head to to the polls. So uh, with the virus, there is uh, a risk uh, a risk of a politicization of the stimulus effect uh, and the stimulus uh, efforts and, uh, and measures. Um, talking about uh, probabilities, they don't seem to uh, have been uh, altering uh, recently. Uh, for sure, um, there will be uh, two candidates, very likely Biden and, and Trump. And uh, for, uh, for Trump uh, to win, it will uh, really uh, be related to how he will be handling uh, the, the pandemic. Uh, maybe Ken has some more color. Uh, to add on on this side, but uh, we think this is the, the situation as of today. So, Ken, you're being challenged by Monica. What's your view? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think um, Monica has that right, that um, prior to the pandemic, um, it was all about the economy for Donald Trump. That was the way he was going to get elected, the only way he was going to get reelected, because that's what he ran on. And uh, by and large, that's the only thing uh, people... Um, frankly, um, thought highly of him for. So now the narrative has changed, and I think he's going to get judged on how well 
he's handled the pandemic. I don't think he's going to get blamed for the pandemic as some are trying to do, but whether he responded in a, in a, you know, a, a good way and effective way. And, and I think that's going to be the key. I also think though, it's going to become a very difficult year to upset um, incumbents because typically in, in, um, I don't want to call this a wartime, but wartime or, or very difficult periods in national history, voters are very hesitant to change horses. They tend to ride it out with those they um, know and, and have seen. So I think challenging incumbents in this environment is going to be very difficult for either side. And particularly in, in the nuanced nature of this um, virus that you can't really campaign and get your name out there. And if you're uh, an upstart and, and people don't know you, it's going to be very, very difficult to challenge incumbents in my view. And we still don't know if it's going to be physical voting, uh, what the turnout may be. So I, I think a lot of the um, standard playbook stuff is, is upended. Okay, well, Ken and Monica, thanks a lot for sharing your views. Thanks a lot for uh, anchoring our um, perceptions on this situation. If I share my own takeaways, you're talking about a, probably a more prolonged crisis, uh, May being the turning point. The U.S. as a game changer where the markets are pricing a, a deep recession but potentially offering entry points to average in your uh, average uh, unit prices and the elections, of course, that will close the year uh, where, again, the pandemic is going to uh, play uh, an important role, uh, especially if it lasts for uh, too long. So once again, many thanks for your inputs, Bonica and Ken. And I also thank uh, our audience listens in each week to the Blue Convictions conversation. So stay tuned for further analysis and insights from Amundi next week. With a focus this time on emerging markets, we will be uh, welcoming Yerlen Sizdikov, uh, our uh, CIO for emerging markets. Thanks a lot and have a good day, everyone. Bye-bye. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors as defined in Directive 2004-39-EC, dated 21st of April 2004, on markets in financial instruments called MIFID, investment services providers, and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on behalf of Amundi.